have something I wanted to, to share with you. Not long ago, I talked to you all about a little title called In the Process of Time. And it dealt with the idea that life has days and minutes and you know, hours, seconds, and so forth in it. Well, there's a few things I want to share with you uh, along the same line, but maybe just a little bit different. Go ahead and take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis in chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. I only have a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. It was forced upon me. Can't refuse it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. An ad that was found in a newspaper says, Lost one golden hour. Studded with 60 diamond minutes. No reward offered for it. For it is gone forever. We don't sometimes appreciate time. And yet it's what life is made out of. And realizing that one day we're going to have to give account to the Lord for time. And in this process of time, as you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about there's a time to be born. Time to die. Time to love. Time to war, to laugh, to cry, a whole bunch of things. And so we know that life is being processed, and as it's being processed, you are being processed. God uses time to process you. Though time is being processed, you are being processed in time. So God uses time. Time. Do you think God wastes time? God uses it very wisely. And he has given to each one of us certain amount of time. We never asked for it. It was forced upon us. Nobody in here asked to be born. Here we are. And you um going to have to pay some consequences if you, you abuse it. So we need to be careful what we do with it. But I want you to see this in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 4. It says in verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in this verse, you need to underline this, In process of time. It came to pass. So there's things that God has allowed to happen in life that will come to pass. And sometimes, regardless of what we're going through, there's something in the back of our mind we, we always assume it's not going to be like this forever. We always live with the hope something's going to get better. And it's, it's devastating to us when it appears like, Nothing is going to get better. It's going to get worse. When something eliminates all hope, 
like there's no way I'm going to get out of this. Nothing's going to change. But I can tell you this. With the Lord, there is real hope and change. There's a sermon in there somewhere. But, but what you cannot do with time, you can't save it. You can't borrow it. You can't loan it out to somebody else. You can't leave it and you can't take it. Time is something that God has given to us to live our lives and you're responsible for it. Only thing you can do with time is use it or lose it. So since we have it, we ought to do as much with it as we possibly can. It cannot be stopped, stored, or stretched. Did you know some of the things that move the slowest live the longest? You know a turtle lives, can be, live a long time. An alligator, a crocodile, they can live to be a long time. And sometimes the faster something moves, you realize a mosquito doesn't live very long. Aren't you glad? What if a mosquito lived to be 30 years old? By the time he's 30 years old, he knows where everybody lives. He knows the exact spot to hit. He knows everything about you, and they're waiting for you. But God is really smart about all these things. But time that God has given to us, yes, in the process of time, God has put into different periods of time things that we have got to go through. And those things that he has planned for each day. Remember the sermon I preached on about this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So that every day God has it filled with things to benefit you and I. But with that day also comes in the book of Lamentation in chapter 3. Uh, talks about his mercy is renewed every morning. His compassions, they fail not. So we know that this day comes with everything that I need to help me be whatever I need to be, to do whatever it is God wants me to do. But it's not just that it's one day, it's your whole life. So God says in the process of time, there's things that are going to take place and that we need to remember. A missionary by the name of Robert Moffat said, We shall have all eternity to celebrate our victory but only one brief hour before sundown to win them. Do you realize that we only have such a short period of time to win the victories for us to enjoy for eternity? So you can have a life filled with excitement, or you can just have a few things. But then whenever you get older... You've only got a few things to remember. And part of our joy is our reminiscing. You have no idea the joy I have now listening to some of the things that I did years and years ago. Pulling out from my reservoir of all the videos and audios and things like that of what we've done. But, buddy, it is so refreshing to sit down and enjoy that. Did you know that during the thousand-year reign, we might have a few minutes here and there that we could sit down and reflect. And because the time will come when God said he'll wipe away all tears from our eyes, but also things from our remembrance. 
So I think that um, there's going to be some wonderful things going to be for us. But time is so important. And even though I'm, I'm getting older, I want, I want to do more. And I'm hoping that my body can keep up with my brain. Uh, I used to tell people, I am so motivated beyond the ability to perform. And I almost feel like that sometimes. Say, take your Bible and turn to Romans in chapter 12. Let me give you just four things real quick before I get to my message. <laughs> okay. Uh, Romans and chapter 12. Uh, you've seen these verses before, but I just want you to know that in the process of time, that you are in the process of being transformed. Now, God knows what you have to have in order to transform your life. You see, you were lost. Now you are saved. And because you are saved, God doesn't just transform your life. He uses in the process of time. So there's some things that you have to know that if he just let you live life, you may not mature at all. You may never learn the lessons God wants or do what God wants you to do. So he does have to work on your mind. And he has to work on changing even your desires. Because your desires that you had before you were saved are not necessarily the ones that he wants to use after you're saved. Because he gave you a new nature. The new nature has new desires. New desires have to be fed. So you've got to feed him with something. So we look there in verse 1 of the book of Romans in chapter 12. Where he says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, does God want your body? Yes. The body is the house where you live. The body is the tool that you use. But what helps the body is the mind. Because all of your success and your failures begins right up here. And so, therefore, you're trying to reach a person's mind. So, with the Word of God, He wants to transform you and I. We've said before that you can be conformed to the world. That's because the world using its pressures to shape you and conform you to the world. But to be transformed is because the power of the Holy Spirit using the Word of God on the inside becomes pressure against the world and shapes you into what God wants. So it transforms you, not conform you to the world. God wants you different. Just like when Christ was here with the disciples and they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he was transformed right in front of their eyes. In other words, they saw Christ in his glory. Well, that's Kind of like what God wants to do with you and I in the sense that he wants to change you from what you were into what he wants you to be. So there has to be in the process of time that it doesn't happen like that. God uses time to teach you here a little, there a little precept upon precept, line upon line. You don't just take a little baby as soon as it's born and give them 15 to 20 gallons of milk to grow them faster. 
you have to give him a little bit. And he has to digest that. And then he grows a little bit, and then you give him a little bit more, and then he grows a little bit more and a little bit. And then wouldn't it be neat if all you had to do is come to the church tonight and the preacher just went around, opened up your little head, and poured in all that you need to make you mature, cap it back up, see you in a couple of years, we'll just take and do a checkup on you, see how you're doing. But you go to church, you learn a little bit, and then God gives you some days, time, so that in the process of time to see, can you apply that? What is this knowledge doing for you? God wants to transform your life so that you think the way God wants you to think. So God's the one that knows what he's trying to make out of you and I. So therefore, he knows what ingredients to put in, what problems to put into every day that will specially be designed just for you so that you can't say, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. No, 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 he does. He's allowing all these things to happen because he has a purpose. And sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't. But he says, you're supposed to understand this, that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose, so that God does have a purpose. Now look in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have a body and you have a mind. And the mind is to control the body. So in order to transform your life, you have to transform the way you think. So that's why you study the Word of God so that it says here, you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Otherwise, you're left up to your old human nature of a mind to guide your life. And you will do in your own mind what you think is right. And it will seem right. And you don't see anything wrong with it. But that's not what you use as a determining factor. Because isn't there a verse in the Bible that says something like, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof, destruction, a wasted life, ruined life. Yes. So it might seem right. It's just not right. There's things you may want to do, and so your will will clash with God's will. You'll know that you're a humble individual when you can surrender your will to His will. That's humility. Humility is not walking around trying to look humble. You might try to look spiritual and sweet and all that there, but you might be filled with pride. You say, why are you doing this? Because you want people to know how humble you are. And then you're lifted up with pride. So you have to be very, very careful. Now, the other thing I want you to see is 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just turn to your right. And you will see there, there's a verse here that is pretty good. In chapter 3, just look in verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of recommendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. In other words, you are our product. When people see our product, they'll know a little bit about us, what we're like, because you're the ones we want to Christ. And 
how they were doing sometimes reflected back upon them. What kind of a job are you doing? This is what scares parents of having children. Because they know that people are going to look at their kids and judge what kind of parents they are by their kids. That's scary. Because you can't always control the kids, can you? And then they might even get married and have kids, and it, it might even get worse. But people do it. But I want you to notice this. In verse 3, it says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In other words, people are going to read you. Things that you say, things that you do, people read. And sometimes you might give a, a mixed signal. You might say you love the Lord, but they might read from the things that you say and do that you don't really love the Lord. You go through the motions, you know the right words to say, but it's not real to you. In other words, you want your walk and your talk to agree. So God is um, going to do some change. And now look there in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. You'll notice that as Paul was able to read the people here in Corinth, look what he was able to say. Look at the conclusion of Paul's thought process. In verse 1 he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Well, why not? Well, because Paul saw things in their life that they weren't spiritual. Well, how does he know? Who is he? Is he God? No, but he did look at something. You see, when he says down there in verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, fleshly minded. In other words, you're just like you were when you got saved. In other words, there was no change in their life. Still saved, but there was no change. Why was he expecting there to be a change? Because it's only reasonable to assume that in the process of time, you and I are supposed to apply the Word of God to our life, and there should be a change in our lives. Not to get to heaven, not even to prove you're saved, but because you're a child of God. And Paul is able to look at them, believers, and come to the conclusion, you're not spiritually minded. You say, how do you know they weren't? Well, look what he says. There is among you envying and strife, divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? In other words, he is using the way they're living as the criteria for their spiritual standard, wherever they are. He says, you're not spiritual. He says, you're carnal. So is that where they should be, or should they be spiritual? He expected them to be spiritual, but they're not. Now, you and I, we, we don't like people judging us. We don't like people sitting in judgment. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? Oh, Mr. Holy Holy, huh? And so we want to justify ourselves by getting even. You say something about me, and I'm going to say something about you. So we got to find fault in each other and just kind of put it on the back burner. And so when somebody says something, we'll slap them upside the head with that. Doesn't that make us feel spiritual and more stronger and better and 
That way we can look down our long, fair silk nose at others and think we're like Kellogg's cornflakes, you know, just a little bit better. Do you remember that advertisement? Years and years ago, there was a commercial about, you know, cornflakes. Just a little bit better. Just a little bit better. I heard that, and I've used that for the last 30-something years. I guess I'm showing my age, ain't I? But anyway, as we're moving right along here, understand that Paul was able to judge where they were spiritually because of the thing they said and did. And so you and I are being judged. And sometimes people may question your love for the Lord. The thing about Jesus Christ when he made this statement in the book of John chapter 14 verse 31 that the world may know that I love the Father even so I do. Nobody could find a fault or a flaw in what he said or did. They looked. They got their magnifying glasses out and tried to find a mistake that he made, but they couldn't find any. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter and chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, there's a, a verse here that uses the word fashion. Have you ever seen uh, sometime on TV, they're trying to show you the latest fashion? And they'll have uh, women walk down the aisle or something like that, and they're showing the latest fashion in this or the latest fashion on that. And it's, mainly it's because of the times in which we live. Because the fashion that they show today was probably not the fashion they showed 50, 60 years ago. When I went down to the Tampa Bay Bible study that we had today, well, we have it every Wednesday, up on the floor of the 26th floor of the building there, uh, there's old pictures, 100 years old, and they show the street cars and the way the people were dressed, and they show all these old cars, and you think, they were fashionable at that time. But today, would you want that car? Today? It might be worth more. (laughs) But you have to understand that in everything in life, there's always these storms of life that we're going to have. And some things you can control and some things you cannot control. And there's times I remember when I was in school, the girls used to dress a certain way. Today, they don't dress quite the same. The style, I used to always have these ties that I got from Goodwill when I was going to Bible school. I'd go down there, and for about 25 cents, you can buy you a couple of ties. And they were the, you know, old ties that people had gotten rid of. And, and so did you know if you kept those things for 30, 40 years, they come back into style? And so with a guy, it's never out of style. You just wait long enough, and it comes back. But with the women, most of the time it don't because they keep buying stuff. They just got to keep buying stuff. When it comes to the Lord, there are things that God used long time ago to train his people, things that he would teach. In our time, when it comes to building us and building our character, there's things that God may use. We're not using the same kind of electronics today that they used 100 years ago. They didn't even have them. Can you imagine 100 years ago not to have the things that we have today? I'd love to see that again, I think. But you realize we live on a faster pace. 
Nobody slows down to find out what's going on. It's just zip, 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 zip. And we don't stop to think. Now, I want you to see that here in 1 Peter chapter 1, look there in verse 14. And you ought to underline these verses. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. The only way that you can not fashion yourselves according to the former lust that you used to have, the way you used to live, the only thing that's going to make it different is being obedient. You see, you can't transform your mind, discipline the body, without obedience. If you will not obey the Lord, your life will not change. And there's people who trust Christ as Savior. They live their whole life and nothing ever happens. Nothing changes in their life. They're just like they were when they got saved. No more mature. And it doesn't matter how much Bible you know. How many times have you been to the Bible? It's, has the Bible ever been through you? If the Bible doesn't control your life, you don't know it. You don't know the Bible until the Bible controls you. You don't know what walking with the Lord is like until you walk with the Lord. Until you have joy in your heart, you don't know what it's like. Until you have the peace of God, you don't know what it's like. So God uses things in life. Process. Time is processing you. It's building you. There might be some things that is going to happen this week or next week or whenever. And God's going to have it right on schedule. And it's designed to help discipline you. To create within you desire for something or not for something else. But it could be for something that God wants to discipline in your life. And God's going to teach you patience. But don't you get to the place where you think, I don't need to learn anymore. I've had enough learning. I just want to coast from here on in. But you know the only thing that challenges your faith and makes your faith grow is a problem bigger than your faith. So your faith has to stretch itself to get over that obstacle. So God will allow these obstacles in your life. Not that he wants you to go around it. Not that he wants you to go under it. But he might want you to go over it. And in some cases, through it. But he never wants us to run from it. So there's problems in your life. There's storms of life that God is going to allow to come.